Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It's 9.01. Your time trick brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker. It is Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And we've got your Killing Me Smalls coming up in our next segment. And we also have today's big thing. But people still weighing in on Parade Day one year later. This one from the 636, Randy. My family, friends, and I were at the beginning of the parade in the front row. Out of all the players that came through that we got to high five... Jay Bowmeister had by far the softest hands. Oh, he had slick mitts, eh? <laughs> if you were going to look at the Blues roster and you had to guess who had the softest hands on the on the entire squad, who would you pick? I would not have gone with Bo. Me probably. either. I would have gone probably maybe with uh, somebody younger. Um, for that team, hmm, this is of all the players that they high-fived. Mm-hmm. Maybe Sunquist. Sunquist. <laughs> never like guessed that. Uh, like a European guy. See, probably I was, takes care of his hands. I was thinking it's probably somebody that's into maintenance. You know, mm-hmm. like a stylish guy. Because um, I imagine if you're moisturizing your face, you're also concerned about your hands. Right. You know, working some hand lotion in is very crucial. My the first thing that came to mind for me was Colton Pareko, and I don't know why. Hmm. Yeah, you'd think that he would be a guy that takes care of his hands, too. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thought. Maybe Jordan Bennington? Yeah, that's a... I'm not... Maybe not. I'm. Under, maybe you need some calluses underneath those mitts, you know, yeah. having a puck hit you all the time, right. not so soft. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Maybe David Perron. We talked to him on Friday. Uh-huh. He's a guy who yeah. I could see... He's definitely got soft hands. Being, yes, he does. Being put together. Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. I just feel like there might be an obvious answer here that we're missing. Yeah, 65780 if you've got that obvious answer for us. Who's the most moisturized hands on the St. Louis Blues? Well, somebody <laughs> might know. So somebody, It might be definite. There might not be any doubt about it. So yeah, text in 65780. Michelle, today's big thing. We learned over the weekend that the Baseball Players Association isn't going to respond to the latest offer by owners. And the Players Association said, we're ready to play. Just tell us when to start and where to be and we'll be there. And with the projection of perhaps a 50-54 game schedule, they would need to start in August so that they could finish by the end of September and then do the playoffs in October. That would mean that spring training would start in the first couple of weeks of July. The National Hockey League has already told us the training camp is going to start on July 10th. I kind of think that baseball spring training and the NHL training camp are going to start on the same day. 
I think we're going to be talking major sports here on July 9th, 10th, 11th, and as we traverse our way through two training camps at once. That's going to be overload for us. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. We haven't had sports for months, and then all of a sudden they're both coming back at the same time. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, and by the way, the Cardinals plan on training here at Bush Stadium, so we'll have an opportunity to bring you some of what they do. Obviously, the media is not going to be allowed in there, but... Unless something really surprising happens, and I don't see anything surprising happens so happening the way that these two uh, entities, the union and the Major League Baseball uh, establishment, the way they're interacting, I think we're just going to get Manfred implementing a plan here. I think so, too. He's just going to say, hey, this is what we're doing, and they're going to say, all right, we're showing up. Yep. This is and what's happening. 50 games, full sal- the full per-game salary that they would have gotten. So... Uh, that's what I'm thinking. I think that's today's big thing is that we're going to have both sports here in St. Louis and we're going to have them at least getting ready for it within a month. Are you, when you think about baseball and the way this all went down, are you mad or just disappointed? I'm mad. It's th- This did not have to happen. It was so easy for them to reach a- an amicable conclusion and meet halfway. And the fact that nobody ever came off of their own thing. The players never came off 100% and the owners never came off of basically 33% of what the players would have made. There was room for a compromise and neither side, for whatever reason, wanted to compromise. They both had to win and because they both had to win, everybody loses. I've been seeing a lot of signs at some of these protests, Randy, that says, hey, America, you're failing an open book history test. (laughs) And I feel like that is what baseball is doing. They're failing an open book history test. We just watched Long Gone Summer last night where it took a magical home run chase to really fully bring baseball back after 94. And at a time when America really needs it, you guys could have put your egos and your greed aside and said, hey, we need to come up with a conclusion here that's going to best serve our fans in a safe environment for our players. And it just seemed like nobody cared about the fans. Nobody cared about the product. And it bums me out that they're so short-sighted that they're failing an open book history test. It's it's awful. And we both knew, here's the, the most troubling aspect of this, is that we knew, Colin knew, Freeze Pops knew, everybody that's listening knew that there was going to have to be a compromise. We knew from the players' perspective that owners were not going to back off. And we knew from the owners' perspective that the players weren't going to back off. And the fact, I think, that they could never get into a room and negotiate hurt this. That they could just not be paying attention on a Zoom call and say, well, uh, Tony Clark could say, hey, my guys say that they're only taking 100% of their game day salary. That's all they're going to do. We'll take a full pro rata. And I'm sure Rob Manfred at the behest of the owners was saying, no, we're going to give you 33% of what you would have made. And we aren't coming off of that. It's ridiculous. For people that are supposed to be, supposed to be professional negotiators, it's ridiculous. Not a whole lot of negotiating going on. No, there isn't. Uh, we get a couple of texts multiple texts that uh, say that Robbie Fabry had to have the softest hands on that team. Ah, I could definitely see that. Now, I don't know if it was meant to actually take care of his hands, but I heard that he did keep his hands around a cool glass many times. (laughs) (laughs) So the coldness you're saying stimulates the softness? Yes. Okay, got it, got it. Yeah. I have a lot of people here checking in saying Vince Dunn, too. That makes sense. Yeah. 
Young guy, most into fashion, mm-hmm. if you look at his Insta. So, yeah, Vince Dunn, too. Who, by the way, and it'll be interesting to see how this works out, has been rollerblading. Uh, he and Sammy Blay, I believe, both bought rollerblades. I wonder if that'll translate into them being in better skating condition once we get started. I sure hope it does. Yeah, ro- ro- Rollerblades are back, by the way. Did you know Lux bought a pair of rollerblades? Uh, I did know that, and you're right, Randy. Rollerblades are all the way back. Yeah. I remember in college, which was, what, 10 years ago, one of my friends had rollerblades and would rollerblade on the quad, and she got torched. Everyone made fun of her for doing that. And now... Pandemic, rollerblades all the way back, folks. I see them at Creefcourt Park all the time when I'm riding my bike. People can go pretty fast on rollerblades. Now, I wonder if... Rollerblading is obviously very fun. It's a fun activity. Hurts is, my ankles. Oh, does it? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Maybe you just need to, you know, push the snaps a little tighter. It might be. Secure those ankles in there, Randy. Maybe I need Make to try sure to go tight. more than 11 feet. But is rollerblading a good workout? Now, I know from an agility and form standpoint, it's good for hockey players. But for an average Joe or Jane like you and I, Randy, is it a good workout? I don't know. I think for me, it would be an incredible cardio workout. Ice skating, to me, is an incredible cardio workout. So I think if you're doing it and you're willing to push through and go more than 11 feet, if you're willing to do the loop, for example, at Creepcore Park, yeah, I think that'd be fantastic exercise. Maybe I should, maybe I dropped the ball and should have invested in some rollerblades. You still can. Now, here's the thing: if you're one somebody like me who, when they ice skate or has rollerbladed, and ankles just kill you before you can go very far, and there must be a way to fix that problem. But it's not very effective if you are hurting after you do it. I didn't realize that your ankles hurt so badly when you skate, Randy, because you did a video for 101ESPN.com where you competed against Brad Thompson in a skills competition at Centene Ice Center. So I didn't realize that your ankles were in jeopardy there. So thank you for your sacrifices for our content here. For whatever reason on that day, (laughs) maybe it was the skates. My ankles didn't hurt. Maybe it was because you were so jacked up on on competition adrenaline that you didn't even notice. Yeah, and I did. I, I never fell. I only ran into a couple of walls because I couldn't stop. <laughs> so it really wasn't that bad. That's another oh, issue that I would have with rollerblades, by the way, is the inability to stop. One time we had a golden retriever. Her name was Angel, and she was a monster. She weighed about 100 pounds. But I took her out to uh, walk her, and I was rollerblading, and she took off like 100 miles an hour. Well, I'm holding the leash, oh, no. and I couldn't stop. So it was amazing. It was, it was kind of like being on a ride at Six Flags. How did it end? How did you stop? I finally got her to slow down. I said, Angel, slow down. And she did. Did she just wear herself out? Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of scary. Sure. But it, it, it was thrilling at the same time. That's how I feel about the Stanley Cup playoffs, bringing it full circle to hockey. It's thrilling, but exciting at the or it's terrifying, but thrilling at the same time. I can't take this. Whoa! Isn't that great? <laughs> it's awesome. That's today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls. Stick around. Michelle's got some great stuff for us next on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. All right, 9.15, it's time for You're Killing Me, Smalls. Michelle, what do you got? You're killing me, Smalls. You know what? On a Monday, my (laughs) God, even yesterday, my family at Sunday dinner was like, why do you always step over the sounder? And I say, I just get so locked into Randy. I'm looking at Randy, I'm excited for the segment, and I forget (laughs) about the sounder. (laughs) Shoot, this is like what they do to Greg Cody on Levitard Show with the heart out. I just can't (laughs) seem to get it. Okay, call, let's try again. 
You're killing me, Small. Nailed it that time. All right. Randy, long gone summer last night. We were all locked in. I have some observations. Would you like the positives or the negatives first? Let's start with the negatives and then move on to positives. Okay, do you want the minor negatives or the major negatives? I like to start with major negatives. Nellie, what are you doing? Nellie, I am upset, I am disappointed, and I am hurt and offended. For those who did not see it, they were interviewing different people about that home run race in 98. And so, of course, they have to talk to Nelly. He is St. Louis's own. What was it like for you to be in St. Louis, to be watching this happen at that time? Nelly pops up on the screen. I first see his face, that great, joyful face. Oh, Nelly, I know him. Love him. I can't wait to hear what he has to say. Then my eyes travel south, Randy, and see that he's wearing a Chicago jersey. That's right. Not Bulls. Not, it says Chicago across Nelly's chest in a documentary that he's being interviewed for about the Cardinals and the Cubs. Nelly, what are you doing, dude? Come on. I didn't have that visceral reaction that you just displayed. I'm still upset. Because I was thinking, okay, well, they just caught him one day and he happened to be wearing a Bulls jersey. And I figured he was probably wearing a Jordan jersey. If it was planned... If this was a quick interview that was planned, then that's a big faux pas on the part of Nelly. But if they just caught him randomly and said, hey, Nelly, can we get a minute with you? I'm okay with it. But you, at the end of the day, are right. Because there isn't a circumstance under which he should be wearing, even if it's a Jordan jersey, a Chicago jersey, being where he's from. Come on, man. That's right. Come on, man. If it was pre-planned... I'm furious. If it was, oh, hey, can we catch you on the Zoom? We need a a conversation. Nelly has people around him all the time, Randy. He's got an assistant. He's probably got a PR person. He certainly had someone coordinating this interview. I know, I've seen Nelly on the Wi-Fi, Randy, during his Instagram battle. I know he can't work the Wi-Fi alone. (laughs) I know that somebody set that up for Nelly. So even if if he had the jersey on, the person who is setting up the Wi-Fi for him, who's setting up the Zoom, Nelly says, hey, Give me your shirt. I can't be caught dead in this. Yep. You know what you're being interviewed for now. There's literally only one thing on planet Earth that you cannot wear in that interview, and it's something that says Chicago on it. You had one job. I don't even care what came out of your mouth. I don't even care if you said, yeah, I really like Sammy Sosa during that race. He was awesome. You cannot wear a Chicago jersey. What are you doing? I love this. I'm so upset. You're flummoxed. I am just... It is just such common sense. Yeah, you're you're not. in a group called the Saint Lunatics. Yeah, there's uh, looking back and uh, the way that you explained it is 100% correct. What he did was inexcusable. I feel like there should have been a press conference afterwards and that we should have been able to ask questions like what are you what were you thinking when you put yeah. that jersey on knowing they were going to ask you about the Cardinals and the Cubs. Yep. Freeze Pops, you got effort Nelly for us. Working on it right now. All right. Tell him we have some questions. <laughs> Serious questions. Serious questions, Nelly. And then, of course, in my, I tweeted in all caps, Nelly, what are you doing wearing a Chicago jersey? And then, of course, in my mentions are all these people from Chicago, Sarah Spain sending me gifts of like flipping her hair, smiling. It's just another thing <laughs> that Chicago can throw at us now. I mean, Nelly, you started. Something that we I have no comeback for. As St. Louis, I could always say, we've got Nelly. Now you're repping them. What am I supposed to do here? Yeah. We got nothing. We, how do we come back from that? 
We got to think of something dramatic. I don't. I don't know the answer. We'll if, think about it. Uh, but I want Nelly to explain himself. That's what I want, Randy. Okay, we'll work on that. You're killing me, Smalls. Uh, a couple things that people were complaining about on social media last night in regards to the doc. Some people did not like that they were using footage from the updated stadiums, from current Bush Stadium and up and renovated Wrigley. Because you're watching this old footage from 98, and then they would show mm-hmm. scenes from present day. So a lot of people thought that felt disjointed. I was curious to your reaction with that. I noticed, but it didn't bother me because I'm assuming that they weren't planning this documentary before 2006 or during the 2005 season or at Wrigley even five years ago. So uh, they wanted to get some flavor of the cities and they just didn't have the footage that clearly didn't have the footage that they wanted from the old ballpark. So it didn't bother me as much as it bothered some people. But if they would have had the other footage, it would have been better. If they would have had footage of the the way Wrigley was in that year or the way Bush Stadium was in 1998, it would have been better. Just crowd chats yeah. from that time. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, it was noticeable, but it didn't bother me as much as it bothered other people, I yeah. would say. You're killing me, Small. And then a lot of people thought that Sammy Sosa didn't get enough screen time in this. They thought, wow, this is mainly a Mark McGuire documentary. I wish I would have had more on Sammy Sosa and his story. Well, let's look at it, though, from their perspective. We had Mark on, and his first answer for for us was four minutes. Mm -hmm. Sammy's longest answer is probably 20 seconds, 22 seconds. He doesn't give himself as much airtime as Mark does. Mark goes more in-depth and... He he has turned into Chatty Cathy now, which is great. I, and we loved it. We had a, that's one of the reasons that we had him for a half hour. It right. was great. I don't think Sammy gave the the people who made the film nearly as much material as Mark did. And Mark ended up, you know, he winning the win, home, yeah. run, <laughs> home run race. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would have liked to see a little bit more from Sammy. I don't even know what I was wanting out of him, but I thought his answers were really entertaining and that he was really vibrant in the way he was mm-hmm. describing things. Um, I, I wish that there would have been a little bit more from him at the end, maybe, but I know that they had to get to the steroid stuff. There's just, yeah. there's so many tentacles to this story, and I know it's very difficult to pack everything in a two-hour film, because you can do an entire story on the, uh, another 30 for 30 on the steroid stuff. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Sammy has gone from salmon-colored to... Uh, the color now of his skin is even different than it was. It, it was kind of pink for a while, right? Was it? I think it was. And now it's maybe it was the makeup, but I thought last night just he looked more human than he had before. Because I'd never seen the the pink, so it's kind of kind of weird what happened. That's apparently some disease that he had. Oh, really? Well, so he says. So he says. <laughs> Well, then we'll just believe him on his word, right, Randy? Because yeah. it's not like he would ever lie. No. No, never. You're killing me, Small. Okay, so now that I've gotten that out, thank you for letting me rant there about yeah. Nelly. I was just, it's just back to back. You know, the Instagram battle, like picking songs we've never heard of when Ludacris is coming hit after hit. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to rep a Chicago jersey. It's like, I feel betrayed by Nelly. And this was something that I thought I would always have. You know, the loyalty of Nelly to you, St. Louis. I just thought it was, it was, I, I didn't even have to ever consider it. I don't think it's a loyalty issue. I think it's just a grievous mistake. I think he's still through and through. He's a Lou guy. Except for his wardrobe choices. Someone tweeted me a very good point and said, Nelly's probably thinking Chicagoans buy CDs too. Well, that might be. 
you know, Republicans well, buy sneakers too, I, the Jordan mentality. I will tell you this. One time when I was in Chicago, remember when Michael Barrett, their catcher, got into a fight with Zambrano and they traded Michael Barrett? And so I went to that, that uh, Wrigleyville souvenir store across the street and they all hated Barrett because he got in a fight with Big Z. So I bought for five bucks a Michael Barrett jersey. Just so that I could kind of taunt them a little bit. Okay. And I actually did. I was wearing Cubby Blue with the jersey. The but it was Barrett. It was Barrett number five on the back. And it wasn't because I was a Cub fan. It was because I thought it was funny. that. Uh, so maybe there was a bit of taunting here. Or perhaps this was like a Jimmy Butler Chicago jersey that he bought for five bucks somewhere. I'm sure that he has been gifted many a St. Louis jersey. Oh, I know. Yeah. I mean, I've seen him in the in the Air Force One video. I've seen him in Country Grammar. I know he owns them. Totally. But I, I go back to maybe somebody was getting him before he was going in to play basketball, and he was that's what he had on. <laughs> maybe you're I'm trying it. to give him the benefit of the doubt. <sighs> but here's we'll the, ask him. He's that's from a musical standpoint. That's ours, right? Uh, he's Do you think guy. if Kanye was interviewed for this, that he would have worn a Cardinals hat? Do you think if Chance the Rapper was interviewed for he this, he would have worn a red hat? I know. <laughs> That's the best thing you've said all day. Wow. You really nailed that one. I don't know if I can recover from that. We do know he would have been wearing a red hat. You're right. But it would not have had the STL on it. Well, you know, Common, if Common was interviewed for this, you don't think he wouldn't be wearing a blues jersey. There's no way. Because they have loyalty, Randy. They they understand what's at stake when you wear the word Chicago yeah. on your chest and your nelly. Anyway, let's go on to You're, some positives. It, I mean, I'm it's just, impossible to disagree with this point. I'm I'm, just, I'm, trust, try, I'm trying to think of angles here, but you at the end of the day, it's impossible. I'm just despondent. You're killing me, small. So let's talk about some of the positives. I thought the score from Jeff Tweedy of Wilco. Shout out, Belvo. He absolutely nailed the score. It's, it was so perfect, it gave me goosebumps. It, it was like the sonic version of what a Midwest summer feels like. You know, like it, it was corn and humidity and Cardinals baseball and a ice cold Bud Light all wrapped up in music form. It was perfect. That's a great way to put it. I thought it was spectacular. And that's something that if you weren't paying attention to the music last night, go back and listen again because the score was really well done. So shout out Jeff Tweedy. Mm-hmm. I also absolutely adored the way that they introduced Jack Buck to the story. It was a reenactment of a family driving down the road and they're looking out the window and you see the cornfields and you're listening to Jack Buck on the radio. Yeah. And I thought, that's us. That is exactly how so many of us remember Jack Buck. When you think about Cardinal baseball, you can close your eyes and it's, you know, drive listening to KMOX, driving mm-hmm. home from a soccer game or whatever. For me, it's playing in the backyard. My dad's grilling up some pork steaks and we're listening to Cardinal baseball. But everybody has that moment where they think about being in their family and listening to Jack Buck. So I just loved the way they did that. And I was glad that they were able to get so much of the really good footage of Jack during that year because you know, he was he died four years later and he wasn't in great health but he really did enjoy that season. I was glad that they were able to go to the Cardinals and KMOX and get as much as they did because he was the best. He was the best. And then the last thing that I really loved was 
hearing Sammy Sosa talk about how kind of one of the carrots for him was to be on SportsCenter because that was one of the things that I really remembered about that time. That's when SportsCenter was peak SportsCenter. It mm-hmm. was everything. And I remember begging my parents to stay up and watch the highlights on SportsCenter and then trying to listen once I was in my room to hear the repeat of it after it came on later. It was, you know, that's when you, you didn't have everything at your fingertips all the time. So if it was an away game and you maybe didn't catch it for some reason or or whatever it may be, you had to stay up to watch SportsCenter to see those highlights. And I I tweeted last night because they had the question or the comment that the last time sports had made this nation feel as good about itself was the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team. And, And so... I asked the question, will baseball ever make this nation feel good about itself again? Because at at that point, everything revolved from a sports standpoint around those two, and they morphed into news. It was great. Whether it was CNN or whether it was the network news programs, everybody was all about McGuire and Sosa, and everybody was attached to it, and they rallied around it. And I don't see that happening with baseball anymore. I don't either, and that's sad. Yeah, but it was it was fun, and congratulations to A.J. Schnock, who did the uh, piece last night, mm-hmm. and uh, it'll be on again if you haven't seen it. And, of course, you can hear our McGuire interview at 101ESPN.com. And, in fact, I think we tweeted it. If you just go to 101ESPN's Twitter page, it is available there. You can also find the link at Michelle's Twitter page at Michelle at M. Smallman or on the gram, on the Insta, at M. Smallman. <laughs> and uh, mine, my Insta is RJ Carricker and on Twitter at Randy Carricker. And we've all got tons of stuff from the last couple of weeks up about Long Gone Summer. Next up, we're going to talk to Danny Mack. He's getting ready for Scoops with Danny Mack. And he will join us here in studio next on 101 ESPN. Now it's time for the Danny Mack Report. This is Cards. It's history. As we give you the lowdown on everything cards. Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate your card to Goodwill. It is quick, easy, and towing is free. The St. Louis Cardinals. National Central Division Champions. With Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. Danny Mac is in studio. Scoops with Danny Mac is coming up here on 101 ESPN. Good to see you. How was your weekend? I had a great weekend. I got a little too much sun, Randall and Michelle, but that's okay. That's a good weekend to have. Yeah, when you're on the sun, yeah, I got a little too much. How, that's okay, though. Uh, how many days, because if I were to try to grow a beard like you have right now, it would take me like two weeks, and it seems like it took you two days. No, this has been eight days, and it looks terrible. My my wife said this morning, she, you got to get rid of that thing. That looks <laughs> awful. It does. Even my kids were on me last night. They said, it looks terrible, Dad. You got to get rid of that thing. And I, I agree. It looks terrible. But I don't care because I never get to do it, so I decided to do it. You know what you need to do is get some of that uh, Keith Hernandez, Walt Frazier, Frazier uh, Just for Men stuff. My kid said I looked like a skunk last night. <laughs> I said, Dad, you, you literally look like a skunk. Because it, it's coming. What do you think, Michelle? It's gray or white? I would say gray, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not good. I mean, but I, it's not full gray. I I fully admit it looks terrible, and I don't care. <laughs> it allows me to do this. A pandemic allows me to do this. Yes, I never does. have the chance to do this, so I'm doing it. Do you feel differently with the beard? Not really. A uh, little sloppy. Yeah, a little sloppy. I probably shouldn't do it, but I don't really care. 
you know, I mean, so yeah, I, I feel a little different. I think if I got a haircut and shaved, I would feel better about myself, maybe. <laughs> but I'm going to just let it rip. I'm not sure when I'm going to shave. I'm not sure yet. I have to do a town hall meeting on Wednesday. Um, and I may do it. I may have to shave for that just to be presentable. Who are you doing it with? I, I knew you're going to ask that. Thanks Darn a lot, Randy. Sorry. And I know Brian Jordan is a part of it. That's all we need to know. I'm not sure who the other one is. I, I know there's another player a part of it. I'm just not sure who it is. There are many human beings that are nicer than Brian Jordan. He's awesome. What a great person he is. I'll tell you what. Uh, the, the hit that he put on Gary Bennett. Gary, I think, was catching for either the Dodgers or the Padres. And there was a collision at home plate, and I went to fantasy camp and asked them about that collision where Gary is the catcher, obviously, and Brian is lining him up as the base runner, and it's one of the most vicious collisions at home plate that does not get talked about. Gary suffered an injury from that uh, collision, and I wanted to do kind of a feature on it. And I figured those, and those two are two of the nicest people, and by the way, they're friends. Um, and I figured they had talked about that before. They had never, ever talked about wow. it, nor do they talk about it. And so I had brought it up, and I said, well, you guys talk about it. I said, no, 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 we, we really don't want to talk about wow. it. And I said, okay, you know, I, I understand. And they said, no, we, we really don't want to get into it. And so they didn't. Um, but they will talk about each other, but did not want to talk about the collision. Do you think and it was because nasty. Bennett might think it was a dirty hit? I don't think so. I think they both felt it was clean. It was just vicious, man. Mm-hmm. It was it was it was nasty. I mean, it was an NFL player lining up a guy that was that's, just sitting there, you know. That's the thing. And Brian was the quintessential hard hitting safety. Oh my goodness. And if you have you seen the hit? Have you guys seen the hit? I don't remember oh, it. Oh, it's on YouTube. I mean it's it's vicious. I mean it's mm-hmm. it's like take your breath away, kinda like don't want to watch that crash again. Do you remember when Jack Clark got uh Sosha in yeah. LA. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, they Sosha had to leave the game, and he's a big, tough guy. Absolutely, yeah. and was concussed. And they take him back to the training room at Dodger Stadium. Yeah, what did he say? He, he, he wakes up, and they said, uh, "Mike, where are you?" And he said, "Houston." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no clue. I mean, the one that always I think people remember in St. Louis is Langford and Dalton. Right. I mean, that's the one that's that stands out. That's awesome. And Langford gets up and kind of fist bump, and or, or, you know just throwing his fist in the air and it wins the game and Dalton's on the ground. It's a yard sale and it's kind of the play in my mind for Ray Langford that defines his Cardinal career. I'm with you. I, even though he had all the home runs at Bush Stadium too, the all-time leader in home runs, I, I think that's the play that people remember with Ray Lang- I could be wrong, but I think that's the one no, that people remember. I think remember. that's the, his defining play. I do too. Yeah. Tough player, great player, and kind of cool seeing him in Long Gone Summer last night too. A lot of guys I saw in that uh, that um, documentary that that brought back some memories for me. JD Drew being a part of that mm-hmm. too, that people forget, and Gary Gaetti, who you guys had on last week, and some others that I had forgotten that were part. That's the part that I liked about the documentary. I didn't think it was earth shattering with some of the things that was in it. It was just kind of a walk down memory lane. But seeing some of the the, the players and uh, the reactions of the home runs, it was kind of cool. That part of it was kind of a. A part of it that I I liked. I liked looking at the reaction of the dugout when he was hitting home runs. Like, Duncan would mm-hmm. take off his glasses like, are you kidding me? He's done it again. That's the stuff I kind of liked of watching that again that I'd forgotten. Yeah, And you know what was interesting? It was a weird dynamic because, as McGuire told us, he said, I, I really was embarrassed that I was getting all of the attention. And I think that did bother other players 
I know that bothered other players. But that being said, he was a great teammate to those guys. So they, whether they thought that he was uh, an attention hog or not, and might have been offended by the fact that he did get all of the attention, he really did take care of them in many, many ways, whether it was with memorabilia or taking the team out for dinners. He was with his teammates and with the people around the ball club. He was really good. Well, I think at some point, and I did talk to him about this, even though the attention was on him, not to say that he embraced it. I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but he did understand the importance of the Mm -hmm. chase and the importance of what it meant to baseball and sports at that time uh, in in it, where baseball was in the country. I mean, it was the only game in town, so to speak. There was no football going on um, because we're still waiting for the pro game to get going. And, and you know, the middle of the summer, man, it was it. Was it. And Sosa McGuire, everybody was talking about it and was ramping up. And Sosa had, what, 20 home runs in June, I guess it was. And, and that's what everybody was talking about. And I think because of the buildup of, of the end of 97, and then he's healthy going into 98, which was the key. People were talking about what this might be and what this summer could be. And you have to remember, too, the emotions of when he signed the contract and the tears that were flowing and he had donated money. Who asked the question? Yeah, you did. And you made him cry. And I know you loved it. You know, love to you. You were Roy Firestone back then. Randy Carricker. That made me cry, Roy. Um, (laughs) But you you got him to cry. And and that happened. And and I think that was part of it, too. Like, you know, he started to embrace that a little bit and understand his role, because coming from Oakland, being a Southern California guy, and he just kind of mixed in there. It was a different animal here in a baseball town. I think he started to understand it was just going to be different. And not to say that he wanted to be the center of attention, but understood the role of that yeah. that he played in it. And I loved the description that he and the look on his face when he gets the first standing ovation. And then DeWitt says, then the second time he comes up and the, the other standing ovation. Right. That was just so Cardinal Nation. He yeah. was two for 28 and they yeah. gave him a standing ovation. <laughs> right. It's the peak St. Louis. It is. What did you guys think of the documentary, though? Did you like it? I, th- I thought it was good. You know, it was interesting having talked to so many different people leading up to it. I felt like some of the stories that we had already heard on our airwaves were in the documentary. So that's yeah. why it kind of felt like, oh, you know, Mark had shared that story with us about how he and uh, the final two games was done mm-hmm. and how Tony had to talk him into that. So I thought there was a lot of things that we had already heard, but, you know, it just made me really, really miss baseball. Yeah. I really, really miss baseball. I, I-, I took away the crowd. Yeah. That's the thing I took yeah. away that if we were in a normal baseball season, I would have just said, well, that was cool. Kind of a walk down memory lane. I, but now that we are missing sports, generally speaking, and seeing the reaction of the fans and they're on literally on top of each other, mm-hmm. I took away missing a crowd. Yep. And mm-hmm. I watched a golf event yesterday with no crowd. Mm-hmm. And so seeing the crowd, seeing the reaction, seeing people come together, um, you miss it. And that's kind of what I took away from watching that yesterday. How about you? Yeah, I, I really think that timing didn't work in this documentary's favor. I think if we see this first before Last Dance and the Lance Armstrong. Good point. We I agree. probably are sitting here saying, well, that was really great. But Last Dance was so well done and Armstrong was so compelling and honest. I mean, you couldn't have been more more different, Sosa and McGuire and then Armstrong, right? Sure. Saying, I, I took them. 
Yeah. Well, that's the thing. They didn't touch upon that until the very, very mm-hmm. end. And that's what I kind of want to see out of these documentaries. Tell me something I don't know. Right. Um, and, and I was asked by BK and Ribs when they said that this was going to be moved up a, a few weeks ago. What do, what do you want to see out of it? And I said, I want to see what Major League Baseball knew about the steroid era. When did they know about it, and and what did they know about it? And we really didn't get that, and I'm not the morality police. I don't think anybody should be, but I did want to know what did they know about it um, because I think it's important to, to look back on it and, and try to learn from it. Um, and we didn't know about it, and to Mark's credit, he, he has addressed it and come out yep. and come clean to it. And that is a hard thing to do, and I, I thought the one thing that he said is, I still live with it today and still have to deal with it today. And he'll always have to deal with it, and that is not an easy thing to do and at all. As he told us, he still believes in his heart of hearts that 70 was absolutely legitimate and that steroids didn't have anything to do with it. Well, let's be honest. Let, let's be realistic yeah, here. I, know. I mean, come on. I mean, if you're... I first of all, he had a swing that allowed him to get lift on the ball, put back swing on the ball, uh, or uh, you know get the the spin on the ball. Um, but let's be honest here: he was a behemoth. He was huge. He was strong. He had incredible, incredible bat speed. Okay, so let's be honest. I mean, he he was going to hit home runs, but I, I don't want to hear anybody tell me whether it's Bonds, Sosa, McGuire, Paul Merrill, anybody that took steroids that it didn't help. It helps. It helps. It, it, it's, it's, it helps. I if mean, it didn't help, say it doesn't help, you wouldn't be doing it. Yes. So <laughs> you can't say that. I don't want to use steroids because I have a pretty substantial hat collection, like 200 hats. I don't want to have to replace all of them because I have a larger head. Oh, and, and here's the thing. I mean, Mark was a great hitter a great hitter, mm-hmm. and learned the strike zone and learned his body in terms of what he could do inside the strike zone and what he could do with a particular pitch. But to sit there and say that steroids or an enhancer, human growth horm- hormone or whatever, doesn't help, that that's not realistic. It does help. It, it I mean, that's just... That's just being honest. We are going to get you ready for Scoops with Danny Mac next on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs, the crossover on 101 ESPN. with Danny Mack coming up here on 101 ESPN. Dan is the uh, veteran play-by-play man for Cardinal Baseball. Oh, boy. Did you ever uh, partake of the chili in the visitor's clubhouse at Candlestick? Oh, yeah. I saw some things move out of that. That's what what I heard. (laughs) Doug told the story one time. That one time, I I guess it was... Because the Cardinals only go there once. It must have been a Western Division guy who was there in April, and then the schedule had him going back to San Francisco in uh, September. And apparently, the chili actually tasted pretty good, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, (laughs) so a guy, and I don't even remember who the player was, but Dunk told the story, Chris Duncan, of a player putting a golf ball in the chili, big pot, chili pot, in April, and then coming <laughs> back in September <laughs> and scooping the golf ball out in September. Uh, I well, I can tell you when we used to go to the old uh, ballpark in Milwaukee, 
um, uh, County Stadium. There, it was so disgusting in the media room. Of they would put the uh, the bratwurst on there, and I thought that those things would move off the really? uh, off the grill. And they should be Wisconsin bratwurst should be the best in the league. Well, they should be. They yeah. Should be, yeah, yeah. But the grease there, I mean, year after year, oh, it was up. the same grease that oh. was there on the turn, and there, there was. It was interesting too. Remember Ed at the at Bush Stadium. Mm-hmm. Ed uh, Ed would hang over the the hot dogs at Bush Stadium and with a cigarette with an ash yeah. that was a couple inches long and you were just trying to get the hot dog before the ash fell on your hot dog. <laughs> was, that was always interesting too. Yeah, there's there's some some interesting stories about trying to get your food at the ballpark. So that's when I just decided to bring salad every once in a while <laughs> just to stay safe. Good you know? idea. Things have changed though. There there are there's some media rooms that you're like, hey. It's pretty good, and then there's some other ones you're like, yeah, I'll, I think I'll, I'll bring a bag of lunch, you know. And one of the reasons that a lot of us wound up getting into media long term is because of free food, which doesn't exist anymore. No, 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 no. You, 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 you got to pay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this. You know, so that's there's there's some owners that business. are losing biblical proportions, so you that's gotta, right. that's right. You got to make sure to pay. Oh yeah, it's going to be right. more than the seven bucks. Yeah, that's you, for sure. You don't want to make yeah. sure to. You got to put money in the coffers. Yeah. So my prediction, Danny Mac, is this: the hockey people are already saying that they're going to start training camp on July 10th. I'm predicting the spring training starts on July 10th. We do a three-week spring training and start right around the first week in August. Play two months, a couple of days off for the players, and then start the playoffs and get them done by the end of October. So then you're done by the end of September with regular season, get you, so then no expanded playoffs. Right. So because that won't be, this is going to be, be the implemented schedule. And they, I'm thinking about 54 games. Here's, well, that's one way, and I'll throw this one at you. How about if the owners are going to give a little bit so that the future negotiations could be a little softer? Could it be better? To make it a little bit easier so that we can have baseball in 2022 and beyond? Um, I still go back to full salary, prorated salaries for the players. Uh, you get to 72 games roughly. And full salary prorated, and let's say twenty games or so are are going to be deferred over a two year period, and that'll be paid because owners will expand. That'd be great, but I think you need to get that done today or tomorrow. Probably right? because you would need to start spring I, I think training. You could do it though. Yeah, to get 72 games in and finish your season before October. You talk about an olive branch, though. That would yeah. be it. Yeah. So you'd have to start your season in mid-July. Fine. So I guess you still have some time there. Now, I, I'm do even I, I'm very hopeful yeah. that that would happen. Now, reading the tea leaves, it doesn't seem like either side is going to give no. one bit. No. But you'd have to. The reason I say today or tomorrow is because then you'd start spring training basically on June 22nd, 23rd, 24th. That'll give you a three-week spring training leading up to mid-July and give you two and a half months to get those 72 games in. Now, guys, here's my biggest concern is that we we see this bickering and fighting, and and believe me, nobody wants to hear it because everywhere I go, I'm telling you, man, it's not even about baseball anymore that people are talking to me about it. It's people are just sick of hearing about the money. I, mm-hmm. I was at a place last night, and people are just like, "I'm done. I, I don't want to hear about it. I'm so sick of it." And um, and and we may get to where the owners 
slam it down the players' throats, which is probably going to happen. Um, and one way or another, we're going to have a season and a schedule. And, and it may not even be able to get pulled off. You yeah. know, And you're going to have all this bad PR. It, it's going to be very tough for all these leagues to even pull this thing off logistically, especially baseball, if you're not in a bubble and trying to go to all these different cities and municipalities with the CDC guidelines to get this thing done. It's going to be very, very hard to do. Very hard to do. I mean, you start looking at the guidelines and what's been issued by Major League Baseball to make it work for the Players Association, um, for what they're trying to do for the health concerns. I'm telling you, man, it's going to be tough to do. It really is. And and it's not... I've been saying it from day one since I started doing this show and even talking with you guys. It's not as easy as just rolling the ball out and saying, well, here we go. And you're also... And this is no disrespect to the players. This is in... Every walk of life, you're also just counting on young men being responsible. And yeah. are we, are we as general, just general society, are we being responsible? I mean, we're opening up cities across the country. Is everybody being responsible? I'm not seeing it everywhere I go. Um, me either. You know, looking forward to the show. Thank All right, you. guys. Eduardo Perez is coming up. Ooh. He's one of the best. It's going to be fun. Scoops with Danny Mac coming up here on 101 ESPN. Thanks to our producer today, the one and only Tommy Freeze Pops Carol. Thank you. Thank you, sir. We'll talk tomorrow. Yes, sir. Colin Surrey doing a great job running the board and uh, overseeing uh, this program here in the studio. Michelle, this was fun. Thank you. Another fun day, Randy. See you tomorrow. It was great. Happy Monday to all of you. Thanks for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. And until tomorrow at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. That was the Character and Smallman Podcast on 101 ESPN.